Shalom, and welcome to A Voice Calling in the Wilderness, a trumpet call, a voice crying out loud for God to those that would hear, so that they would run to him, that they might be warned. We are here sounding the alarm that our time on earth is short and that we have no time to waste. Here we will expose the truth, teach the word, discuss the dangers, lies, and enemies we are surrounded by, and how to engage in the war that we are standing in the middle of. Today, we're talking to my friend Sean, and again with uh, Pastor Gary Durham, and we're going to go back to a subject that we already touched on, and that is abortion and the importance of human life. And uh, we just uh, thank you for being here, gentlemen. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right. <clears throat> going back to the arguments of the uh, of pro-abortion people that have been now standing outside of the Supreme Court justices' homes and terrorizing their families. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brett Kavanaugh has young children, these young girls there under teens, right? They're 10, 12 years old. Um, and they're terrorizing these people because they want this, this, they want this battle to be on their side. They want to win this fight and they don't care who they have to hurt to win in this fight. Um, they're like children throwing tantrums. Yeah. But one of their, one of the arguments that I, I heard over the past weekend is, this is ending abortion is particularly unfair to minority families or for to minorities because you're forcing a financial burden you're forcing burden on women that can't afford it or will invariably ruin their lives you know if a, you know if you're about to graduate from college and all of a sudden you're pregnant and you can't go do the career I mean, there. This is this is this is the one that really touches my heart because, you know, I I was born out of wedlock. I I didn't know my birth father till I was forty five years old. My mother could have had an abortion, but she didn't, and she chose to to keep me. And I have four children, um, and I think of all the people whose lives I've been a part of. Um, and I've done things that have saved people's lives. And if I wouldn't have been there, would the old lady in the Marriott in, in Boca Raton died in 1996, 1996, when I gave her the Heimlich maneuver and I did CPR on her until the ambulance arrived because she was choking to death. And nobody else in the room knew how to do any of those things. Would would the men on the field of combat died if I wouldn't have been there to do my job? Um, would all of these things that have happened because of my presence not been possible because my mother chose to get rid of me before I was born? My daughters wouldn't exist. Um, in a, you know, my future grandchildren... They wouldn't exist. I think of the children that I've adopted. Um, what would their lives have been like? Reminds um, me of a very salient, poignant passage in Scripture. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, right? right? We are his craftsmanship. We've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that speaks to the value of life. Yes. And also all of the good that every life can bring. I mean, would this show be here today? No. Would there be somebody else here doing this? I mean, this is something that God gave me a few years ago to go and do. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of a story I heard of a a lady who who was um, questioning God about Donald Trump and why why he was the one that he placed there, you know, to, to repeal things and why, you know, he's this and he's that. And he's so like, un, you know, mm-hmm. so uncouth and, and whatever you might want to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And God said, well, I had someone else planned, but he was aborted. Oof. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> Powerful. But, I mean, you said it earlier, you aborted Beethoven. I mean, yeah. we don't know the damage that has been done to the world. Right. And to the future because of people that have chosen to have a procedure of convenience to murder a president, you know, a doctor, a scientist, 
you know, somebody that was so important to society that they saved millions of lives. Yeah. And, you know, the other side of that, uh, J.D., is that uh, we also are not honest in this culture about the excruciating pain that I have seen in the lives of people who have participated in Mm -hmm. abortion. And yes, unfortunately, some people have to carry that, and by God's grace, they get healing and they move beyond it. But I have seen people who literally took their own lives because they could not get past what they had done. And these were people who, would, before they did it, would have shouted in your face until the spittle was running down your nose that they had a right to do what they were doing. But after they did it, the pain and something came home to roost that they could not get past. And I have dealt with people, and I've had the privilege of moving people as a counselor and and past the pain and past the the point of guilt to the point of God's forgiveness and the point of realizing I can now be forgiven and, and move on. But they never, never could say that what I did was right. Yeah. And uh, people, there are people in our culture, there are women in particular and some men living with excruciating pain because they believed what someone told them as an ideology and it doesn't pan out in real life. It is not part of our humanity. Right. And, you know, <laughs> that same argument they make about the, the women being condemned to certain things, um, they make it the same argument about the children that are brought up in poor environments or an uneducated environment. And I, I fit into that story as well. My mother was poor my whole life. Um, my mother still... I, I make five times per hour what my mother makes. Mm-hmm. Um, I My family, very few people in my family graduated high school. Um, I went on to get not only a bachelor's but a master's and a halfway through my doctorate degree. You don't know the destiny of an individual before they're born. Right. And just because the parents are, born, are, are living in poverty, just because the parents are uneducated, that does not condemn that child to that life. Mm-hmm. I, I have I have four siblings, and I'm the only one with a college degree. I'm one of two that graduated from high school. I changed the paradigm of my family's history by stepping out and doing more, but I was given the opportunity because I wasn't aborted. And because I didn't I didn't live with the shame. I didn't. I, I'm. I was motivated to do something more and greater. We don't know the destiny of these children before they're born. That's right. And to claim that you know that this child is going to be born in downtown Detroit and never have two pennies to rub together and is going to live on the street and be a drug addict, you don't know that. That's right. Everybody has the opportunity to do what they want with their life. Now, our, for, our former Surgeon General is, you know, example one. Uh, uh, I'm de- <laughs> who am I trying to refer to? Oh, uh, uh, the, our Surgeon General, who is a brilliant brain surgeon, uh, he, he, he's not Surgeon General now. He was under Trump. Oh, Carson? Oh, Carson. Carson. Yeah, Carson. yeah. I'm trying to, he, I was having a brain, there's brain so many freeze. Of them. I didn't know which one yeah, to get. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was having a brain freeze. But Carson is the perfect example of what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Born in poverty, born to a mother who had to do a couple of jobs just to keep their kids. But... What does he do? He becomes one of the brightest and most intellectual men in our society. He rises to the level of being the Surgeon General of the United States and is still arguably one of the most brilliant men in our culture. Yes. And and to say that, you know, because he was born into poverty, his mother should have aborted him, who could say that today? Well, no one. No one with any sense of understanding or humanity can say that. Uh, you but may it's a false there, argument. There, there are people who hate Carson because he doesn't yeah. agree with their but ideology. A, it's a false argument to begin with because yeah. I know people that were born into very rich families. Oh yeah, that amounted to nothing in their life. Yeah, and they become drug addicts that sell paintings for very little of any real no value, but people pay lots for them because of who their dad is. Yeah. Oh wait, did I just cross a political <laughs> line? <there? laughs> Sorry, a little humor. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about. Hunter, <laughs> you know it, this whole thing. It's um, the evidence of 
you know, what's, what's true about, you know, people's ability to rise above. I mean, that is the quote unquote American dream. Thank you. You know, that's that, what we're about. That yeah. is what immigrants for over a hundred years have been clamoring to come to the to the United States for was to be able to go from the lowest of low to be able to do something with their lives to better their lives, and that's what that's what it's all about. That's why people are still by the millions a year trying to come into America, re- even though we're in a point where like we look at it, and we're like, wow, this is really going down, you know, uh, but. It it's still it's still true. It's still a possibility. Like people still can, you know, uh, rise above and and you know create their own small business that becomes you know a multi million dollar thing or or you know go to college and and become the next great doctor. Right? You know, um, nowadays it comes with a lot more struggle because of our culture. But yeah, and and I'm very grateful for my mother because she did. She worked her entire life very hard. She is one of the most hard-working people I've ever known in my life. She's 78 years old. She's probably never made more than $28,000, $29,000 a year her entire life. And she's, she doesn't understand politics. She doesn't understand the big picture when we have these arguments about um, abortion and, and you know social justice and all, all these things that we are inundated with in our daily lives because we stay involved in what's going on in the world and in the news and stuff. She... She doesn't like politics. That's her. I don't like politics. Well, I'm sorry, but it infects your life every day. You just don't realize it. But, you know, so. Did you say infect? Well, well <laughs> it, it is effect and infect. <laughs> Very true. I mean, the slip of the tongue, Freudian slip, you guess, right? Um, but, I mean, she, she never had the comprehension, right? So, intellectually, she's also not on the same level as I was ever. And I'm okay with that. She doesn't need to be. She provided a, a home for me. She provided me what I needed growing up. And I greatly appreciate everything she did in my life. Um, I, you know, I come from absolutely nothing. My mother had no money. She had four children that she was raising with no money and no support from even when she she finally she got married after I was born about a year, year and a half and and the guy that she married was an alcoholic and an abuser, and he wasn't any help in the household. So she had another burden besides the three more children that he gave her. There was more burden because of him and his issues, and she still fought through that, and she still continued to do what she thought was right and worked very hard and provided for all of us. We We didn't go hungry. We didn't have, you know, sometimes we were eating bologna sandwiches quite often or peanut butter and jelly, but we didn't go hungry. And and I am forever grateful for all that she ever did for us. But she's never seen, she's probably never seen more than $5,000 in her life in one spot. I manage billions of dollars every day for the government. And it's beyond comprehension for her to understand that. But I was given that opportunity rather than have all of that stolen. Right. And that's what I fight for is for other children to have the opportunity to have the best life that they can go out and scratch for themselves, that they don't have it stolen before they start. What I hear you saying is it's a completely false and incorrect argument to say, take into account the conditions and the environment that a child is conceived in mm-hmm. and assume that that's the destiny of the child. Exactly. It's absolutely not. Yeah. And the other side of that is uh, if, you know, being Christians, we have to say this, what you've just done, if you're making that argument, you've just taken God out of the equation. Right. And who knows what God can do with a life. And, you know, you take a, a life that seemed like it could have, you know, you know who would have, effect, uh, would have anticipated that Peter, the apostle, as he is now known, would have ever been known in history or would even we would have ever had known he existed. But because Jesus touched his life, Peter becomes part of a explosion of God's purposes in this world that changed the direction of all of history. Yes. And he is one of the most recognized names in all of history. Mm-hmm. And he was nothing but a simple fisherman in a backwater village in Galilee that likely there were thousands of them that we don't know their name today, nor do we know they ever existed. And the truth is, is when you put God into the equation, no life 
is without meaning or destiny. Right. And it says that uh, in no uncertain terms in Psalms 139. And really, this, this, there's no discussion on the value of life that is complete without mm-hmm. a small portion of this scripture. But when God, when, uh, when the psalmist is saying, Lord, you created my inmost being, you knit me together, literally in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before even one of them came to be. He's got a purpose, a significance from conception. Yeah. All the days ordained for yeah. every human. The Lord has it in his book. Not one single created life was an accident. That's right. right. And that's what you've heard me say many times from the pulpit, uh, because you're all part of my congregation. I would say, you know that I've said to people, you exist because God intended you. And you're in existence right now because he intends for you to exist. And and yes, there's something you can do about that. You can disobey God and take your life, which he doesn't want you to do. But he put you in existence because he intended you and he has a purpose for you. And the, and your greatest purpose will not be revealed till the new creation because this life, and again, we're talking about something that starts in the womb. So let's, let me use this illustration. <laughs> this life is like being in the womb. Yep. And how many of you remember the nine months in your mother's womb? There isn't anyone I've ever asked that question who could ever say, oh, I remember it all. I remember it all. I was fighting with my twin brother over who got to, to step on the umbilical cord. No, you know, no, nobody remembers what was going on in that nine months. And yet, was it important? Yes. Without it, you wouldn't be the person you are today. Right. It made you who you are. What's going on in this life is going to be like it. The Bible even has a statement to that in Isaiah where Isaiah says that the former things will not even come to mind. Wow. Now, he's not saying we won't be able to remember it. He's just saying we'll have so much to think about, so much joy. We will be so involved with all of the possibilities and the adventure of the new creation. We're not even going to bother remembering those dark days when we were being formed. And we are being formed by the grace of God in this evil world. God is forming us, and this is a dark womb in one sense, but God has entered that womb through the person of Jesus Christ, and he is transforming us, and He's and if we submit to his life, we will come forth from that, from that womb by resurrection, and we will be a new creation. And yes, this life likely won't be much that we'll be thinking about, because we'll be busy thinking about the possibilities of the forever, forever life. I want to amend what you just said just a little bit, because okay. you said God is forming us. Yes. Well, I think that God does form people that follow him, mm-hmm. but the world follows those that doesn't. So the world is forming them. That's right. And it's forming them to destruction mm-hmm. and to death because the world, everything in this world dies. We watch it. Right. We watch rocks crumble and, and get the mountains give way to rivers. We watch mm-hmm. trees rot and fall. The limbs and the leaves fall off and they die. We watch every animal die. We watch everything, every steel, our cars, everything rots and it dies. Mm-hmm. If this world is what forms you, you will rot and die. Right. Well, I, I would I would say it's probably a little bit less uh, directive than that. Um, I would say that because we know scientifically in in our current universe, we have laws of entropy. Mm-hmm. So that's what you just described. Um what what I think it is isn't that the world is so much forming people. It's that Satan is is keeping is is standing in between people and God. So God is the only source of life that can reverse that curse. Right. And so as long as Satan can prevent people from, you know, connecting with God's spirit to reverse, you know, that process, mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how how good you are, how bad you are, or whatever. You are in entropy mm-hmm. without God. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in other words, what what uh, Michael just said so well uh, is that uh, the second law of thermodynamics 
little g is God if you don't have the big G God in your life mm-hmm. because that's because it's going to give you a predetermined outcome. And uh, but the the interesting thing is, of course, we had we don't have time to talk about how evolution has had an impact on abortion, but it is the background radiation of everything we've been talking about today, because even the the horrors of the 20th century, where there were more people killed for political opinion or for their faith in the 20th century than in all previous centuries combined. Most people do not know that. Mm -hmm. The 20th century is the bloodiest century by far in all of history. We killed millions on top of hundreds of millions of people just because of what they believed and that they were on the wrong side of the political fence. And the point is, is that the reason those atheistic regimes did that, and it was all atheistic regimes that did that, is because they could say, we all just came out of some kind of spawn by accident. Therefore, life doesn't have any meaning. There is no no meaning to life. There is no... There is no objective morality. Right. Morality is whatever we make of it. It's a social tile construct. And once you go there, there is nothing to keep the fascism from developing. And that's why today, you know, Glenn, Book, Glenn uh, Beck just recently wrote a book called Joe Biden and the 21st Century Fascism. And what he's seeing is, is that President Biden is actually supporting the progression of fascism in the world, and he's doing it through this whole new reset thing and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. I don't know if he's right, but, you know, Glenn wrote that book. I just happened to look at the sample that they downloaded on my Kindle and read the first two chapters, and it's frightening. If those first two chapters tells me maybe the rest of the book is something I want to look at, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with Glenn on everything, but that's not the point. The point is it's going on in our world, and I do know from other sources that they're pushing for the Great Reset. Absolutely. And the Great Reset is going to end up in globalism, whether it takes, you know— one decade or four decades or five decades, it's going to end up there. And when it does, I can tell you who walks on the stage, and the Bible's already predicted who that will be. Right, and, and it has to happen. It has to happen. Right. So, and these shouldn't be surprises to us, right? Yeah, and, and <laughs> what we're discussing today, abortion and the tragedy and the heartbreak of the murder of hundreds of millions of children, the most helpless people on the planet, is a result of an ideology that now is fully discredited by science. In fact, the number one hard scientist in the world are saying there is no evolution, there is no support for evolution in hard science, none. We have zero evidence for it. It is only a theory, and it's a theory. As one scientist said, we will look back at the theory of evolution probably in a few years and wondered how in the world did we ever foss this upon humanity because it is absolutely the most unscientific thing that has ever been thought of because we have zero evidence for it. Mm-hmm. Microevolution, yes, but that's already programmed into God's design for for humans and for people and for animals and things to be able to adapt and so on to their environments. But macroevolution, we have not one example of macroevolution anywhere in the world. So to call it science is absolutely false. You have to have evidence to have science. And so we've been making all these arguments um, based upon our faith. Yeah. And one of the the great um, arguments, screamings, and even some of the uh, things that are happening around churches and around um, our nation right now is the anti-abortionist screaming about Christianity needs to get out of this, and it's not a religious issue. And I mean, they even attacked uh, a religious institution, firebombed it, uh, threw Molotov cocktails in there. They've spray painted uh, anti-Christian stuff on several buildings, uh, churches, and, and buildings around the nation since this happened just a couple of weeks ago, right? Um, and I, I find it interesting that they say there's no religious aspect to this. It's not it's the Christian, the church should be out of it. And they just, the Christian people need to shut up. Well, I have a couple problems with that. One, I, I firmly believe this country was founded on a Christian value system and, and, and ordained by God. Honestly, I mm-hmm. believe that. Yes. Um, and 
And if you take that itself out of the picture, we now have the satanic temple that is petitioning the federal government for religious exemptions to perform abortions. So it tells me that it is a religious issue. There's three religions in this fight. There's mm-hmm. the atheism that you've been speaking about, mm-hmm. Satanism that definitely wants to be able to perform abortions. They are, they're a death cult, you know, and it goes way, way back to the ball and all this other stuff. Right. And then there's the people of the life, the people of light, the Christians that will fight for the lives. So mm-hmm. that's really the three people that are in this d- argument or discussion. And then we have a nation filled with apathetic people that aren't speaking up, that aren't talking, that aren't part of the discussion in any way, shape, or form. And many of them sit in our churches. Yeah. And, and they claim the name of Christ, but they keep their mouth shut. Well, it's right. not just the people that sit in the pews. I mean, it's your leaders as well. Uh, you know, one, yeah. one of the things that um, I've I found out a couple of days ago is that since the the Roe uh, v. Wade, you know, the the leak about the opinion, the draft opinion, um, the most prominent female pastors in the country have said nothing, absolutely nothing about abortion. And to me, that's a travesty. I mean, they have a prime opportunity to stand up and saying, we are women. This is what we believe as leaders in the church. And as you, earlier, you were talking about, you know, you know, it's sad that Christians aren't, aren't you know, stepping up. And that's what you're saying now. Yeah. And, and I, I think that um, Christians, lay Christians, um, they follow their leader. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's like our church is... I mean, what next this weekend or next weekend they're going out to 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 protest uh, for pro life, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, our church is doing stuff. Yeah. You and know, I've been out there with you speak from the platform about it. You yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I understand that some pastors were quite surprised uh, on the uh, live stream to hear me speaking about it from the pulpit. But the truth is, I'm surprised they're not speaking about it from the pulpit. Right, right. How dare we? Because you know, if you if you understand how this nation was birthed. As Benjamin Franklin said, he said the reason this nation came into being was that our pulpits thundered because— well, <laughs> And that's the thing I think is, is most frustrating for me right now is this is the moment when the Christian nation, the Christians in this nation, this is when we should be heard. Mm-hmm. This is one of those moments in history that we should be drowning out the other side. They shouldn't even be—you couldn't shouldn't be able to hear them because— of the roar that we're making, millions of churches across this nation should be screaming from the top of their lungs. And and let me make this really simple. You and I know that the number one motive should be because of our faith, what we believe the Word of God says, the truth that absolutely cannot be wrong. And and, and that's where we stand. However, if you're a little shaky about that, let me give you something else. You need to start reading the latest research in the hard sciences. Don't read scientism where you've got people making assertions with no evidence, such as Dawkins and some of these guys. I mean, they they argue for atheism, and then when you ask them for evidence, they change the subject because they don't have any. Okay, so, but the point is, read uh, the polymath from Oxford by the name of John Lennox, and he will tell you that he is a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ. Not because just of the Bible and history, because he's he's although he's investigated that and has come to believe it's true, he says, I am a believer in Jesus Christ and the Bible because I'm a scientist. I'm a scientist who's looked at the evidence, and I can tell you the evidence is all on one side. There is no evidence on the other side. And the point is, is if you are a good scientist today, all the science is on our side. I can remember in the 60s when we thought the science wasn't on our side because all the scientists were telling us, oh, no, 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 it's all evolution. Uh, you know, there is, there is no designer. There is no such thing as, you know, design and the idea of life. That is all bankrupt to the maximum. Mm-hmm. Hard science has made it clear. And we have probably over, you know, tens of thousands of hard scientists who are, some of them are not Christians at all. There are even atheists who have written books who have said evolution is dead right. because there's no evidence for it. And one of them is saying, we got to find another theory. I don't like the God hypothesis, so we need another theory. Uh, well, I happen to like the God hypothesis because I think it makes sense, and so does John Lennox. 
But he, but the point is, is that if ever there was a time when Christians should be bold, we should be able to go out there and not even argue on the basis of the Bible. Let's just talk science. Right. And if you talk science and you're and you would just get some of the data, there's nothing to say in rebuttal except a bunch of assertions, and assertions are not evidence. Well, the the problem with that, though, is that you're talking about trying to argue with a crowd who, when they, when you actually come up against them, they have nothing to say. They just scream at you and yell and, and shout you down. And, yeah. yeah, you know, throw feces or whatever, you know. <laughs> uh, and, and I mean, that that's, it washes off. That's what it is. Um, but I think the point you were trying to drive home, J.D., is that um, this I mean, they, they, they haven't been able to truly make this a political issue. Um, science is no longer on their side. But this is a moral issue. This is the Absolutely. one area we can claim and say, you know, because we've given up other things to political, you know, ideology and whatnot. But this is the one area that we get to claim. Call to uh, arms. Call to arms. It, that, you know, <laughs> is is a God issue, is a spiritual moral issue. And, you know, nobody wants to say, oh, it's about morals. You know, mm-hmm. so no, it, if it's could not, I, if it's not about morals. Then but, I, I, but I think, Grant, uh, not to, I agree with everything you just said, but not to just try to throw something that sticks on the wall here. But, but the point is, is that <laughs> the same is true with the moral argument. They're going to say to you, there is no morality. How dare you even bring it up? Are you trying to push your morality on me? Because we no, all, we all make up, we all make up our own morality. But as the them. as the church, we should be making our stand here because yeah. we are about moral morality. Yeah, and and I think Lewis. We don't have time to go into this, but Lewis had a lot to say about how people can't live out a morality. You know, when you have a morality, which just means no morality, they can't live that. It's impossible. You know, a person who says there's no such thing as right and wrong. And then the moment you cut in front of them in line, what are they doing? That's not fair. Well, right, what do you mean? Right. Fair by what standard? By my own. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but in, in just one second. There are pivotal moments in history. And I believe that we're at one of those moments. This is a moment where we as Christians cannot be cowards. No. In fact, everything's so much on our side that if we fail now, it's because we're cowards. Exactly right. Sean, I know you're chomping at the bridge. Well, there's another scripture that talks okay, good. very succinctly to this, these conversations, and it's in Matthew 24. And it talks about a time when nation will rise against nation, kingdoms will rise against kingdoms. We mm-hmm. see that yes. happening in today's world. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these things are the beginning of the birth pains. Mm-hmm. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And that's what we're seeing in the the riots and the violence and the vitriol we're talking Mm -hmm. about. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Yeah. Terrifying to me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And that's what we're talking about is doing our part, not being cowards, not living in fear, but standing Taking yeah, right. our stand, being staunch yes. in our stand, yeah. and I've got five ways to do that when, when it's time. Well, it's, it's, it's time. <laughs> it's time. It's time. I, that's where I wanted to go next is to go right to you and say, okay, so now What's we the need to light point? a fire under the rears of the people sitting in pews and under the feet of the men standing behind the pulpit. How do we, what do we do next? How do we get past this? What connects me most to this issue, what motivates me, what stirs me, what lights that fire, is I see the beauty of God's creation. I see the innocence of the most vulnerable, right? These human beings being knit together by God with a purpose and a plan. And and you compare that, you contrast it with the horrors, the, 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 the just the horrific, tragic approach that we've taken as a society— whether it's chemically induced abortions or it's dilation and curatage or whatever that's called, where you just literally chop them up. These are human babies, yes. and we, we crush them. Yes. Yeah. And you, it's seeing the life and death. So 
I want to do and everything. They've proven now that they feel the pain. They absolutely feel. They go feel. through every feeling that we would go through if it happened to us. If yeah. we were dismembered. And if, and if we see a body dismembered today in a murder, like a psychopath, we say, that's a psychopath that it'd take to do that. And we've been doing it by the millions For inside the womb. Yeah. It, well, it's they psychopathic. Are, they are psychopaths. Yeah, it's psychopathic. Sorry, go ahead, Sean. Sorry. And so what we can do and the, the, the action steps that I'm moving towards, moving into, starts with prayer. We need mm-hmm. to stand in the gap. Yes. We need to be interceding, not occasionally, not once a month, but daily. Yes. We need to be interceding Amen. on this beha- on Dead the behalf on. of the voiceless, the ones who can't defend themselves. We start every day defending them in prayer. Right. Number two, we can read and learn more. There's a lot of Christians that are ignorant to the facts. They've mm-hmm. never seen the grotesque images yeah, they avoid of the dismembered. It it's uncomfortable. Correct. Out of their fear and cowardice, mm-hmm. they they keep their ignorance because that's a comfortable place. Right. So, so it's time can, for some Christians to get uncomfortable. We need yeah, to get exactly uncomfortable. Right. We need to read. We mm-hmm. need to learn the truth and yes. not just sweep things under the rug mm-hmm. because it's coming to a head. We need to pray. We need to read and learn. We need to give. Because there's all these awesome champions, these yeah. amazing heroes of faith that are out there every day on the front lines mm-hmm. making a difference, right. bringing, I mean, focus on the family as one example. Right. They just did a, like a month campaign, a month for life, or I think it was the 40 days of Lent mm-hmm. prior to Easter, and they rescued somewhere between 400 and 500 babies. Yeah. So that just proves that every single one of us can make a difference right. if we would just do something. So we pray, we read, we learn, we give to those organizations that are making a difference. We serve the body when we find that there are these women that have been traumatized or they mm-hmm. find themselves pregnant. I mean, we yeah. have to be a part of the solution, not just against something, but for something. Right. We are for life, the life of the baby and the life of yeah. the mother. And then finally, we have to stand. At some point, it comes a time when you when you probably should pick up a sign. You probably mm-hmm. should go to the Make street. Make your voice heard. Make your voice heard. You need mm-hmm. to stand and you need to speak. Yeah. You need to speak and no longer be silent. Yeah. If a person who is pro-death, and I know not most people will resent that statement, but that's exactly what abortion is. Because uh, if you don't look at the rights of the mother, you're looking at what happens to the child. That is death. You're for, you're for killing the child. So that's pro-death if we want to talk realistically. If they have a right to stand on a corner and fight for that, I certainly, and every Christian has a right to stand on a corner and say, this child is beautiful. This child was intended by God. This child should not be murdered. This child should not be chopped up like an axe murderer in the womb. This child should be given every protection that we would expect to be given to any other human being, period. Amen. And I would go beyond they have the right to do it. I think they have the obligation to do it. Okay, I like that. Because if we go back, there's a man that lived through World War II, and he said he had a very famous writing that he said, and first they came for— artisan, they came mm-hmm. for the newspaper man, they came for the, the socialist. There was I a did pastor nothing. in Germany. And eventually they came for me and there was no one left to save me. Right. If we don't stand up for these children, when it comes time for someone to come for our uh, us or to come to our aid, who will be there? Exactly. You know, for example, I think I read a statistic the other day that in the first year of Stalin's reign of terror, he killed 176,000 clergymen. No one said a word. Of course, what was he trying to do? He was trying to eradicate religion. You eradicate the, the preacher of the gospel. You eradicate the gospel from the minds of the people was his, his conclusion. And so he killed 176,000 in one year. That's in 12 months. He killed that many people. That's greater than the population of many little cities in our Okay. So he killed that many clergymen just because they believed the Bible. Of course, nobody said anything because the state was in absolute control. But the result was is that when it was all said and done, over 20 million people would be exterminated. Some higher believe that there's been a lot of it hidden from history, that Stalin probably through probably starvation— closer to 60 million. It's, it's closer to 60 million people. So 20 million is about one-third of what he actually did— this is a monster. Mm-hmm. This is an absolute satanic 
monster. And yet nobody wants to talk about this because, after all, it undermines atheism. It undermines all the stuff we're preaching as good for our culture today. Right. Well, we're, we're at a pivotal point in our nation. We have an opportunity. We finally have some justices that are willing to serve justice for the unborn. And, Sean, I couldn't agree with you more. We, I know we pray every single day for the Supreme Court and for this decision and for God's will to be done. And we need to do that as a nation. And we need to, I personally believe, that we as believers need to corporately repent for the 50 years of murder that we've allowed. And we have, as Christian believers, we have allowed this. There is enough of us in this planet. We could have made this change any time we wanted in history because we could be those people out there petitioning and, and you know, holding up signs and, and making our voices heard by the millions. Yes, and if we were voting as people who believe, say, who really believe applying what they say they believe, we would put people in positions of power who would back that up. Right. And we have the power to do that, but we didn't do that, and now it's to the place we're wondering if it ever can be done. But th- but there is a day when opportunity comes, and there is a day when opportunity is gone. Let's hope that's not today. The day is now for the opportunity. We Satan's a liar. We know that he's a liar, mm-hmm. and he is lying about every bit of this. He's lying about the number of people that support it. He is lying about the people that are out there being active about it. Their numbers aren't nearly as big as they are made to seem. The the town that I moved from, the one of my hometowns where I lived before here, the high school, they made a big deal in the newspaper about Andover High School students come out, the girls come out to protest the Supreme Court ruling or, or this opinion. And they tried to make it sound like this whole school just walked out. They had a walkout. It, this, is, this school holds about 1,000, some kids in the school, 20 kids walked out. And they made the biggest fuss about and it in the paper. that's the big, that's the media <laughs> mm-hmm. trying to blow this, 20 out of a thousand. Yeah, yeah. That's not a majority. That's, that's a small, tiny, that, minuscule that's number. What, that's what we call a super minority. Yeah, that's a minuscule <laughs> number. Yeah. You know, if the Christians come out on the other side, and they have, because just like with Cross Current, I've seen them. There's hundreds and hundreds of them. And... It, Zero and coverage. No media coverage. Yeah, yeah, no media coverage. You know, it's like when you go to Washington D.C. and you have a million Christians show up. They try to make it look like a small little event. Yeah. You you have uh, you know uh, maybe you know thirty thousand uh, people show up for something that's secular, and they try to make it look like you know they filled up the whole of the Washington D.C. You know, just look at Biden's rallies. Christians, <laughs> Christians have to get over the fact that. They're being lied to. They have yeah. to. We have to stop believing the lie. Yeah, it's hard. And I think that's one of the steps that has to happen. And that's there, one of Sean. the scariest things that we have to face because it's hard to live in a culture where you know that, where you have to admit they're trying to brainwash me and they're lying to me, and I have to spend a lot of time trying to figure out who's telling me the truth and who isn't. Yeah, life because, is work, guys. Yeah, because I can tell you there's some really creative and effective <laughs> liars out there, and we've all been duped by them at times. Yep. You know, I've had uh, reports come to me, and somebody say, oh, yeah, this is the truth, and so-and-so said this, and, you know, and I would uh, say, well, that must, you know, that's, that's very interesting. But when I dug deeper into it, I was horrified. It wasn't true. Right. It simply wasn't yep. true. I'd like to give a few resources to the listening yes, audience. Yes, please do, and then uh, with, we'll wrap up. With regards to the first action step of praying, there's an awesome website by the Intercessors for America, and that URL is ifapray.org, Intercessors for America, and they will keep you up to date on every new development as it relates to the topic of pro-life and abortion. And that will help you in your attempts to pray. It'll keep you, they're very insightful. They give a very nuanced, deeply spiritual perspective. Uh, if, if you're ready to read more and learn more, you'll not get a better website than liveaction.org as it relates to this topic and how you can take action steps. 
So please go to liveaction.org. And then finally, there is an, a uh, live stream coming up sponsored by Focus on the Family under their Sea Life 2022 campaign. C being S-E-E, Sea Life 2022. And you can get that at focusonthefamily.org uh, as well. And that looks like it's going to be a, an awesome live stream on June the 14th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, including Ben Shapiro, Candace Owens, uh, Janine Mancini, and a host of other speakers um, on this topic. So if you want an action step, go to the Intercessors for America, go to the liveaction.org, go to the Focus on the Family site, and learn more about this live stream on June the 14th. Hopefully these things will light the fire and motivate you to get out and to take a stand and to let your voice be heard. And there was an organization I know that uh, you and I gave to when I went to a banquet last year, and they provide alternatives for, for young women that are pregnant. This church oh, has been Care donating Net. to CareNet for Care decades. Net. So, yeah, I, I I would really recommend people to check out CareNet because they do a miraculous They do. Uh, CareNet is a quality organization, especially at least I, I'm familiar with it in uh, Martin and St. Lucie County. Uh, I'm very familiar with the people that work there. I'm friends with the director. Uh, I have actually been there to train their counselors on two different occasions. And I can tell you this is a quality organization that is making a difference. And, yeah, mm-hmm. if you want to support something, uh, care, if you're in this area, CareNet in Martin and St. Lucie County is a, is a very good organization. And if you're not in our area in South Florida, then I, look in your local area. Yes, um, well, Karen is actually all around the country. Right. But yeah. It's nationwide. There's other organizations, too. And the local organizations, I, I, I have friends and family all over the, the country. And I know that in every state they have specific organizations that, that help in this regard also. Get involved in the community. That is another really good thing that we can do as Christians is get involved in the community. Go help raise funds for these people. Go to the, the, the pregnancy uh, resource centers. Center where they have food banks or where they're handing out formula for mothers or get involved in these people's lives. Because if the burden is too much, if the burden becomes overwhelming for some of these women, they may turn to something that's horrible because they lack a hope. Be that hope for somebody. Mm -hmm. That's the greatest thing that we can do is be the hope for somebody else. Right. Right. Good word, J.D. Thank you. So um, this has been a great discussion, guys. I, I really appreciate all of you coming and, and talking to us today. And I know that uh, it's it's a very important for our world that we live in today, and it's very important for the next generation. Well, if we ever do a second on this, and I'll pick up on that one I promised about uh, when the spirit arrives in a human being. So but we'll talk about that yeah, later. Yeah, we can definitely do some more topic <laughs> on this because I think there's a lot of confusion. Yeah. Uh, um, it's even within the church body, I think people are confused about the right choices, the right... I mean, the world is so good at bombarding us with lies and confusion. And and I, I, I feel for people. And I, I always go back to, if, if we really don't have the spirit within us, then our hope is nil. That's right. And And without hope and without the clarity that God gives us, it is very hard to swim in this current, right? And and you can easily be taken down by one little false thing somebody says. Right. can change your whole path. Yeah, and it can also, uh, you know, make you look disreputable when in reality you were just fed something you thought was truth and you didn't take time to check it out. Yeah. So we all need to be careful. Because discernment, discernment, discernment. We a, it, always say that here. It's a dangerous culture, and discernment, yeah. and discernment is not just a spiritual gift. It is also a discipline, because sometimes you just need to go and read the facts and, right. and add it up and find out what's Another true. No time to be on the sideline. So, Sean, any last thing before we go? I would just say um, take some action. Really, that's that's always going to be the way to end. I think this discussion mm-hmm. is, like you said, this is a watershed moment. It's a it's mm-hmm. a turning point in in history, turning point in humanity, and uh, we hope to see some great victories this year. 
Um, but but that has yet to be seen, right? Every one of right. us plays a part. Absolutely. So I would say uh, hopefully every everybody on the other end of this podcast will wake up tomorrow and say a prayer for the children, mm-hmm. and then we'll get out and do something, use their voice to make a difference. And just to support what uh, Sean is saying, I would say that everything we've said here tonight and everything on this podcast is is designed to motivate us to do just what he's saying mm-hmm. because we're trying to give reason. People don't do things without a reason. Right. So we're trying to give you a reason to become involved because it doesn't do any good if you understand the truth, but you never do anything about it. God so loved the world that he gave. If it, that verse had ended with God so loved the world, period, <laughs> we would never have known anything about that love. But because he gave, now that changed the world. And right. so we have to be the same way. Absolutely. Anything, Michael? I'm good. Well, you know, um, to, to add on to what you were just saying, uh, Pastor, um, we 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 are trying to motivate people. We are trying to get people to be involved and to to rob a little saying from uh, Lance Armstrong. What would Jesus do? Mm-hmm. Ask yourself that. Would he sit on the sideline? Would he be silent, or would he go and he turn over some tables? It's time to turn over some tables. I think there's some comfort in the very last verse of Matthew 34. Verse 14, it says, The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So we've got a big work ahead of us. Yeah, and, that's right. Yeah, and we're almost there. And uh, that the word there, it will be preached to every ethnos on the planet. We've just about accomplished that. Some people used to say, well, until everybody has the Bible in their own language. No, we are no longer a written language uh, captive people. Everything is about media today. Mm-hmm. And the gospel is going out to the whole world by media. And we have pretty much fulfilled that. And Jesus says, when that happens, and then if you translate that Greek, I think in the vernacular well, it would be, then the time set aside for the end will come, and the very next verse begins describing the last 42 months of this. Yeah, and for those of you that will see the title that will go on to this podcast and you will decide that this is the moment to give us your hate, <laughs> that's okay. We're ready for it. Yeah, that means we're doing something right. At well, least listen to what we had to say. Yeah, and we'll love them back because uh, we don't return hate for hate. We, right. We will love because the person who disagrees with us they're creating God's image too, and we love them. That's right. That's right. Well, this has been a Veritas Resurgence broadcast, and today on A Voice Calling in the Wilderness, we've been talking about a very difficult topic, and that is the topic of abortion and life as it is that we know. Life, the creation, the importance, the beauty of, and the uniqueness of human beings. So if you would, please take a moment and subscribe to our podcast. And don't forget to visit our new website at vrbroadcast.org where you can find more teaching and ask questions of the show, our guests, and also find us on Facebook at A Voice Calling in the Wilderness. And do us a favor, recommend this podcast to your friends and family. Again, thank you for listening and have a blessed day. Mm